Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal! Metal Up Your Podcast with your host, Clint Wells. All things Metallica. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Wells, here with my friend Brad Blazik. Brad, welcome back to the show. Hey, what's going on, Clint? Um, doing good. The Titans stink. The Titans have yeah. threatened to ruin my afternoon, but this is going to make it all better because we're going to recap what we labeled in real time as it was happening, a magical Metallica weekend. Definitely. We're going to be talking all about St. Louis, M72, episode 360. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time, this is an all Metallica podcast. Brad is a reoccurring guest host, and uh, we did the we did the whole weekend together with a bunch of our friends. So if I leave anyone out, you make sure I don't leave anyone out. So we, because we had some interesting things happen. This, it was a magical filled weekend, not only uh, in the stadium, but also outside the stadium. So we're not going to do any housekeeping. We're just going to jump right in and bring people into what it was like to be in our world for that weekend. How are you feeling a week later? Is it, have you come down from the cloud yet? Uh, yeah. But the first couple days was, I was still in it. You know, so I had to go back to work on Tuesday, Boo. but was could not stop thinking about the shows, especially Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night was amazing. We'll get to why um, as we get through it. So let's go back to, well, let's go back to 2017 for a little bit of context. Mm-hmm. The way that you and I met is you were a fan of the podcast and you sent me and Ethan an email and you said, hey, whichever one of you can get to the St. Louis show at Bush Stadium on the World Wired Tour, I've got a snake pit that I want to offer one of you guys. And I think I was the first person to jump on that. Uh, I was on tour with Rodney and the bus happened to be coming through St. Louis. It was on a Sunday, right? Was the gig on a Sunday? Uh, at that, I don't remember. Because if we were coming home from the Midwest, we usually came home on Sundays. So I was coming home from a run. I guess it doesn't matter what day it was. And I met you in like a pilot parking lot. And then we that's how we met. And we went to Bush Stadium. And we're on the rail for the snake pit. And a bunch of other weird things happened that day. You had early access. I somehow snuck into <laughs> the VIP early entry. There was the spit out the bone buffet. There was the memory remains museum. That'll play into kind of our part two here coming up on this weekend. So here we are six years later. And we're going to see, this is for me, me and you both, our first M72. This is the first time you'd seen Metallica since Nashville, right? 2019 yeah yeah yep and so this is and this might and i know you got tickets to chicago next year but this might be the only time i get to see them so this was all charged up for me and another funny thing is back way back in 2017 we stayed in this hotel what's the name of the city of the hotel we stayed in caseyville it's in illinois so it's like right across the river like 10 minutes away it's a little bit of a life hack for going to gigs in st louis which you do often Right. Because it's 15 right. miles kind of out of the way, and you can get a cheap room. This is going to play into it, too. So, Do you remember staying at the... We stayed at the Motel 6 that night. Do you yeah. remember anything about that hotel? I remember we were so tired. 
<laughs> yeah. And I remember I'd stood in the rain for like seven hours. So all my yeah. I was just, I was chafed. And I was also wearing, you know, your standard rock musician wear, very extremely unreasonably tight black pants. I was wearing my Raglan uh now that we're dead Metallica shirt. And that was all I had. Yeah. And that was July of twenty seventeen. I remember you asking us because amanda was with me amanda and joseph and you asked us if we could find dry shampoo dry shampoo something like that i never heard of that and amanda was like oh i know what that is yeah so i'm i'm assuming your your hair was was real fun before the rain yeah dry shampoo is just a, a quick little it's like a powder that you can put in hair if you have long gorgeous locks like i do which let me right, right now thank god the hair gods for blessing me with this um, if, but if you don't wash it, it looks greasy. And then if you've been in the rain forever, I don't know why I was requesting that. Maybe I didn't take shim. I don't know. I probably hopped off the bus without any of my shit. Right. Well, the other thing is, I don't, how was I getting home? How did I get home from the gig? You had said that uh, Isabel was going to come get you. And I'm like, dude, fuck that. I mean, oh, you I took me in, home. I, yeah, we, yeah we, we took you home that night or well, the next morning. Yeah. And uh, hung out at your house. Amanda and Joseph were all excited because they love Nashville. Oh, wait, did you guys so spend they, the night? Yeah, we spent the night. And then we had just in the moved morning, into that. We had just yeah, moved into that house. Yeah, they went. They went. You know, exploring Nashville. And uh, you had a show, uh, like outside of Bridgestone. There was some kind of festival going on, and I remember, I always feel bad because you were like, "Dude, you want to come?" And I'm like, "It's country music, right?" And you're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, mm, maybe I'll just hang out here at the house. <laughs> and I always felt, I always felt bad about that. Oh, dude, you think, dude, never feel bad about declining to go to a Rodney Atkins concert. Believe me, knowing the the time of year that was probably we were playing outside for CMA Fest. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds just, right because that just happened, and you know, Rodney did a he actually did a very cool. Um, we always did CMA Fest, and he did a benefit show. I can't remember what the benefit was, but it was a it was a charity show. That we right. did every year for CMA. So that's what that was. And yeah. dude, do not feel bad about declining to come to that. I wish I could have opted out of going. <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back to me. So what's interesting about ha what happened on this trip was it felt like in, in a lot of ways kind of like a, a cer you know full circle moment. So Yeah, it was St. Louis again. So I, was so I was dragging ass on accommodations to get out there. So I hit you up. I'm like, hey, where are you staying? And I had my ticket. And Johnny Sword was coming with me. But then he was maybe not coming with me. And then maybe he was coming with me. I didn't know what he was doing. So... You were like, oh, yeah, it's the Motel 6, the same one we stayed at. And so I immediately go to book a room there, and it's all booked up. I called, right. you know, third party, and they're like, oh, yeah, the, the rooms are all booked up there. But there's a hotel right across the street. Like, you could walk to it. And this was the, was a Super 8? What was the Days, days in? Days in. Oh, my God, the lovely, the lovely Days in. So right. I ended up getting three nights at the Days in, all by my lonesome. Pretty good rate, and <laughs> we'll, we'll find out why, maybe. <laughs> so... I had to work the morning of Friday, but you and I were both driving in separately. You're from Paris, Tennessee. I'm from Nashville. You get there a little before me, maybe an hour or 30 minutes before me. And you're like, hey, yeah. uh, so the hotel I booked my rooms at, the Motel 6 that we stayed at in 2017, it's closed. <laughs> right. So you, <laughs> I just love that you booked your room. Out. Yeah, you booked your room when you got your tickets, which was back in April. You yeah. show up and there are no rooms available. And I come to realize, yeah, when I called them to book rooms, they didn't tell me the rooms weren't available because it was closed. Right. I, they had me believing that it was all sold out. I figured it was sold out for the concert. I figured, you know, I must not be the only one that knows this trick to go, you know, 10 minutes away 
for a super cheap room compared to downtown St. Louis to two fifty a night. Well, so I'm like 30 minutes out. I'm like, look, first of all, you can stay with me. I got another bed in my room because uh, I thought Johnny was coming. Uh, you end up getting a room for you and Dylan, who was your buddy who came. And, right. But the thing is, dude, I was on such a cloud. I was on cloud nine about the weekend that was about to unfold, especially that night. So couldn't keep me down. The hotel sitch. I was like, look, bring everyone. Look, we'll have a sleepover. Right. 25 people <laughs> right. can sleep in this room. <laughs> yeah. It all worked out because you got a room for you and Dylan. I had my yeah. room. We're just a couple doors down, actually. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think we were literally three doors down. Um, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of Matchbox 20 this morning, which always makes me think of three doors down. Dude, sometimes... and uh, Dude, I'll hand in my metal head card right now. I do not give a, an F. But sometimes I'll put like Third Eye Blind radio on, like, you know, like a Pandora yeah. station or like a Matchbox 20 radio. And have what I like to call a good day, a good music yeah. day. It's just good music. They're just good tunes. Now, am I going to put them on a mixtape to impress, you know, a lady to impress a buddy? No, mm, no, no. What's uh? What do you what do you think? Because I heard push push. Is that the name of the song? I want to push the, you around. That was the first single from someone or someone like you. Yeah, I heard that this morning. I have a Sunday morning vibes playlist that i listen to every sunday on shuffle you don't wake up every sunday morning to you must burn no no Weird. no I, I i bring it down a little bit what is he what is what do those lyrics mean because if you just read them on paper it's, they seem you know pretty uh maybe misogynistic or like you know just a a prick well i think he got heat at the time because it's about about domestic abuse right but he's taking the role of the villain you know He's an unreliable narrator. He's not saying, I, Rob Thomas, want to smack my bee around. Right. He's writing a song about, I, I believe it's a song about the complications of domestic abuse from the point of view of a villain. He's not a, He's not meant to be a likable guy. Okay. So it is pretty much, I was wondering, I, I haven't like studied the lyrics. I didn't know if there's like a lyric in there that's like the turn that it's not what you think it is, but sounds like that's exactly what it sounds like it is. Well, I'll tell you what, Brad, I didn't have a uh, analyze Matchbox 20's <laughs> lead off single of their debut album push on my bingo card for today. But while we're here, let's just do it. Push. Right, yeah. Matchbox 20 song meaning. Let's see what the internet says because the internet has a really good track record of, um, of facts here. Um, mm-hmm. We'll just go with the first one. Song facts. <clears throat> We'll see what it says. We'll see if we're <laughs> see if I just spun a big bullshitty web of lies. <laughs> the song is sung from the perspective of Thomas's emotionally abusive ex girlfriend. Thomas explained to Genius, I was really writing about me. I was writing about someone who was manipulating me. But then instead of it being a victim song, I switched it around so that it was me manipulating someone saying, I want to push you around. So he's he's singing from her perspective. She's saying to him, I want to push you around. Yeah. And he, instead of him singing, you wanted to push me around. You did. Right. You did. He did a common uh, artist trick and he turned it around and made it singable and made it interesting. Um, This says at least one feminist group tried to ban the song, believing that it encouraged violence towards women. 
The ploy failed when the ban explained that it was about emotional rather than physical confrontation and dealt with female on male mental harm, not the other way around. Well, there you go. So everyone can, I, I guess, sleep tight knowing that um, the song does not, in fact, encourage male on female domestic violence. Do you feel better or can we move on? Or do you I, I do. Yes. Now I can enjoy the, I can enjoy the song. Okay, cool. We haven't turned this yet into a, uh, a Matchbox 20 podcast. Um, okay, so we get to the hotel. I'm excited. And I was, we, we agreed to go down to the room because we were going to go to, we were going to meet um, Sarah and Pete and Gene. We, we kind of wanted to just get to the venue. And right. I don't know if, if the listeners out there are like me, but I get very anxious before a show about just getting on site. Right. I just want to be there. I don't care if I'm f- five hours early. I just want to be in the vicinity. I just need to get there because I want to figure out the parking. I need to figure out what's going mm-hmm. on with merch. You know, there's no re-entry, so they have these trucks outside. If people want to, you know, especially if people are uptight about the posters and stuff. And then we have, de- you know, shout out to some of our, our friends who, you know, were first in line for the I Disappear line because they want to get that rail. And I mean, I've got friends that started lining up at like 10 a.m. We got in around 3.30. Right. So we make our way down to the venue. We find a kind of awesome life hacky $40 parking spot right next to the venue, which by the way, Brad and I both came back from this show with colds, by the way. So you have to bear with us mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, we get there and then, you know, we have a bunch of friends that are there. So my phone's blowing up. We meet up with Joey Ursic. Johnny Sword is somehow on his way. He's flying from wherever he was. He was a big old, is he going to make it or not this whole time? <laughs> yeah. So Johnny's supposedly coming. Joey Ursic's there. I've got Snake Pit for the evening. Joey Ursic has generously donated his Snake Pit plus one to Johnny Sword, if Johnny Sword makes it. We got Gene Froman here, Sarah and Pete. Who am I leaving out? Uh, we met up with, um, uh, I think we were trying to meet up with Lee. Lee's in town somewhere. Lee Gamilla. As we're walking to meet Sarah and Pete and Gene, we run into Jimmy, uh, largest drum tech on the side of the road, which I thought was a very interesting run in. Had a very pleasant combo with Jimmy. I took that as a good omen. How did you feel? Like we see Jimmy, we connect with Jimmy. That felt like a nice start to the festivities. Yeah, definitely. So we see Jimmy, we go meet up and the vibes are good. We got a beer. I mean, we were hours early. I mean, with the doors open at like six or something, six or seven. Yeah. So we got a plan. I had finally Johnny gets there. I had to go back, meet him at the damn car because he needed to drop his backpack off. You and Dylan went ahead and went to your seats. Now, night one, you were in the 100s, the 116 area. Three, th- like three, 316, I think. 316, right. So you're up, yeah. you're up a little bit. But I mean, judging yeah. from your pictures and stuff, pretty good vantage yeah, point. Not terrible. Yeah, vantage point I'd actually never got to see because um, I was able to do sm- Snake Pit both nights. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool to see like the whole stage and the lights and the uh, beach balls and. And all of that and see, you know, the drums moving and the whole band moving around on the, the, the donut, I guess we've been calling it. And we'll get to that. We'll get this like, you know, we'll compare perspectives because from the snake pit, I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, you know, as you know, you get to do it Sunday night. Right. It, it's amazing. And I'll choose the snake pit every time, but it is kind of its own thing. It's its own experience. You know, you're following the band. You're you're moving in a clockwise or count. You know, you're 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 just always moving around. You're not able to take in really much of the production of the show. And surprisingly, right. the band plays a lot to the Snake Pit. I don't know if you had that revelation, but like there there were moments of both nights where I was like, "Are they catering too much to the Snake Pit?" I, right. Did it feel like that way at all to you Friday night? It did. No, it didn't feel like that to me at all. I and I did notice what you're talking about because I think I had seen maybe chatter online about. 
uh, people complaining almost that they don't play to the snake pit. Ah, interesting. So I was kind of I was kind of expecting that, and then when I saw the show night one, I noticed yeah they do they do they do come and face the the snake pit a lot. I wonder if maybe <clears throat> it was some ch- criticism or chatter, and maybe they it, it k- got kicked up to them, and they maybe decided to start I, I don't know playing to the snake yeah. pit a little more. Yeah. Because, you know, anytime you do stuff like this, including the book signing, which we'll also get to, is you're always getting feedback and you're always making it better, hopefully, you know? Right. Friday night is exciting. Johnny finally does get there. And this is where I parted ways with you. So this is where we're going to have two different experiences, maybe. Um, It was exciting because it was Johnny's first ever Metallica show. And he barely made it. We get in there. We get in the pit. And we, we got into the snake pit with plenty of time. So we were just standing there and it was awesome. Like the first night in the snake pit was like all of my buddies were in there. Sasha's in there. Gene's in there. Edgar's in there. Austin Manning was in there. Um, Aaron Ginther, Kindlin are in there. People I don't even really know that well are in there. There are fans of the podcast that are coming up to to me while I'm in the snake pit. It's very cool. And uh, it was just really fun watching it through Johnny's eyes and ears because he'd never seen them and never done anything like that. Never even been to a stadium concert. So, you know within 30 minutes of him getting to the venue, we're standing in the very middle of the stadium. And we're both big Van Halen fans, as are most sane people who like hard rock. And both pretty curious about Wolfie, you know, like both been kind of keeping up with him and and rooting for him and uh, know that he's a badass musician. I loved their set. In fact, they were my favorite openers of of all the openers. It's cool to see how good he sings live. I, I like the songs. I don't really know if I like them enough to like go jam the record at home. But anytime it's on, I, I think it's pretty good. What are your thoughts about? Uh, did you did you get situated in time to see them? We we like were walking in. We were outside of the like entrance to our seats when they started playing. So we okay. missed like the first like thirty seconds. We were walking in as they were playing, starting their first song. Same as you. I I um. I thought he was great. He sounded great. Lots of tapping, double tapping. Is that what you call it? Uh, which I thought was, was really cool. Yeah. You know, obviously with his dad being Eddie Van Halen, he's learned all that stuff, but yeah, he sounded great. The songs were good. They weren't too crazy. They got like a real like nineties alt, not grunge, but like a nineties alt rock. Yeah. It's kind of got a nickelback vibe. It's got kind of got, yeah. got a nickelback low end. I really enjoyed the, the performance and, uh, it's just cool being a fan of of Van Halen to see him up there doing it. But yeah, I don't know if I would like sit down and listen to those. I've listened to both his records. They're good, but th- there's nothing that like sticks out like, "Oh, I got to hear this." You know what I mean? But they're they're perfectly fine rock songs. Yeah. And I as a fan of live music, they they sound great. Yeah, I agree. It does yeah, it's for some you can't even really help why you respond to certain things, but I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely got a kick out of it. It was cool to see yeah. him. You know, it's cool to see him work the crowd. I was really impressed mostly with his vocals. But yeah, he he played guitar great. The band was great. Great drum parts. Um, it was fun. It was a good first of three for a stadium show. You know, I'm not sure what they're, they're doing their own club shows too, sort of concurrently with the tour. So I don't know what their actual shows are like. I don't know how they carry a 90 minute set. But right. I thought for first of three, knowing that Pantera's coming and then Metallica, I was happy as hell. Uh, for people who may not know, it's easy to come in and out of the snake pit once you get in there. You get a wristband. So in between Wolfgang and Pantera was definitely go out, maybe scope a t-shirt, use the restroom, say hi to some people, some mingle time. And then it was Pantera time. And I've talked a lot about it. I was excited to see it. And they were great. I was kind of focusing on, on Charlie Benante the whole time. 
Fascinating thing about him is he he seemed to be and I, you know more about anthrax than me. He was the one out of the four of them that the most seemed like head down, making sure it's like head in the game, getting it right. Yeah. Does that sound accurate? Is he like that in Anthrax as well? Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty focused in Anthrax too. There's not a, he's about he's the opposite of Lars with the, making the faces and yeah. gestures and he's he's just he's kind of head you're right head down just doing it. And in that sense, which I'm not watching his like technical drumming, so in that sense. I within two songs, I was like, no need for me to look at Charlie. I mean, he right. he just didn't <laughs> do anything it. other than just keep his head down and play the drums. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, by the way, I of course did what most people do. I watched Zach and and uh, Phil, and there was definitely a vibe in the Snake Pit of there were people in the Snake Pit that were there mostly to see Pantera. I don't know if that if you felt that out in the out in the real world, but right. there was definitely a lot of enthusiasm for Pantera, and this and there were certain characters in the Snake Pit that didn't come back after Pantera played. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I saw those, you know, what I call, like, lovingly, the Pantera dudes walking around. You'd see, like, two dudes, black jeans, leather jackets, with Pantera shirts. They're both wearing Pantera shirts. And you could just get the vibe off them that that's what they're here for, which is cool. I have to say I got choked up when they started because Pantera was kind of like a bridge band for me you know in the in the early 90s there was like a kind of a weird time where there was you had all the hair metal bands you had like Def Leppard and Motley Crue and Poison and then you had like these grunge bands and then you had like uh, for example Pantera opened for Skid Row that sounds crazy yeah today but at that time it was that was really weird to have pantera and you know like this metal band opening opening for basically a hair metal band um but that's how big skid row was at the time but what i'm saying is like pantera was when i first heard them i just was like what is this like i'd never heard anything really like that and i loved it immediately and i saw them open for skid row and then i saw them a few years later and just love those dudes so you know, the whole like nostalgia thing of getting to see kind of see Pantera playing those songs and having two guys that I feel like emotionally can fill in for for Diamond Vinny. It, it, it really got to me. You know, that first song, I started getting choked up. I wasn't like full on crying, but like I did get like emotional and teary eyed, you know. And then the rest of the performance, I thought, was was incredible. And from where we were, again, Charlie was like straight. His back was like straight in front of me. I was like looking straight down at him playing the first like four or five songs. And then he switched to where he was facing me. So it was, yeah, it was, I, th- I thought it was great. I wonder, too, if another facet of it, and we'll get to this on the Sunday, <clears throat> the snake pit for me is extremely immersive. It's it's really intense in a way, to where you're you're kind of focusing on things you wouldn't focus on if you were if you were at a normal distance. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people totally. people compl- people complain about the sound, and I'm like, dude, when you're in the middle of the snake pit, it's just such a different thing for me because yeah. if you look right to your right, like you could reach out and touch James Hetfield. Right. So I'm just not thinking about whether or not the sound is at its best, you know. And I think with Pantera, it was so much of like, wow, like Phil and Selma was right there. Mm-hmm. And like watching him work the crowd, watching people respond to it. I was watching people cry to it. 
And so I I think for me, I had like a, I was maybe too analytical about it. Like I was just too much. It was almost too much, you know, like seeing their facial expressions, you know, seeing and, and knowing what it's like to be doing that, knowing what it's like to be playing while people are still coming in knowing what yeah. it's like to still be trying to fight for people to care about it. And it seemed like there were moments where Phil was like, you guys remember us? You know, it was like, there was some yeah. of that inner energy that you have to have. I mean, what's he supposed to do? You know, he's not going to come in there and just kiss Metallica's ass. He's got a legacy that he built. That's important. You know, I appreciate that. They, they really dug into the, the whole, like, this is to honor the legacy of the brothers, you know, and Phil gave like a speech about those dudes and uh charlie's got their faces on his bass drum heads you know what i mean like they really leaned into trying to convince people this is not just a cash grab like we're really doing this for those dudes right i mean we'll take the money but um right yeah well that's not just for that yeah yeah (laughs) i know and i know that's part of it but you know that at least they they're trying to show the the legacy face to everybody well, and it's one of those things that just makes so much sense on paper. Like the business obviously makes sense, but also the non-business stuff, the spiritual, the it's been this many years. It's a celebration. A new generation of people need to see these songs live. All the OGs want to see it again. You got the two perfect guys for it. You know, it's like <clears throat> just because it makes money doesn't mean it's immediately suspect. Right. So it's able to do business and fulfill something like actually really important. So, okay. So Metallica comes on. You haven't seen him in six years. Neither of us have seen him in six years. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was he, your last show? Nashville. Was it really? Yeah. 2019. Okay. And I saw them five times that year. And those five times were the last time I saw them was 17 years prior. And the first show I ever saw them was the one James didn't show up at when he hurt his back. So, <laughs> I saw two of the stadium worldwide shows and I saw three of the arena shows. So this was my first time, you know, seeing the the new material, seeing the the in the round in the stadium. Of course, I've done all the metal tales and I, you know, I, I analyze this stuff every week for the podcast. So, right. but my first time being there and of course it was similar to as it's been before. It was really a lot about being with my friends for me. You know, like I know they're going to play Master Pup. You know, like I know what they're going to play. I was yeah. excited to see the seventy-two season songs, and really yeah. excited for the for the floating songs. And I think we got some great ones for our weekend. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that I did have one roommate in my hotel. Uh, <laughs> that I have a live wasp in my hotel room, <laughs> and I'm the kind of guy that I thought about that wasp probably once every five minutes the entire evening because I thought because I wasn't able to locate it or kill it before I left for the concert. So that'll come into play a little later. But yeah, I was excited. And of course, I'm in the snake pit, dude. So yeah. it's like, I don't care if they come out and, and play Lulu. Like, I'm in the snake pit. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, being in the snake pit just changes. It, cha- it I'm not saying it makes everything better. I think there are pros and cons to it. But when you're in there, you know, you there's a feeling you have. I mean, what could go wrong? Well, the, the only thing I'll say is that being up in the 300 level made the snake pit a hundred times better for me because for for two hours i'm up in the 300 watching you you guys down there in the snake pit and wishing i could be down there still enjoying the show and and enjoying my view but i know i've been to a lot of shows where i'm on the floor i've been in the snake pit before so it's like man this is good but i wish i was down there so right then to to get it on sunday and and walk in there and see it 
I, I was having all the feelings that you're describing, but like times 10. Yeah. You know? Well, so let's talk about the set list. I mean, what's what jumped out to you? I mean, I knew they were going to open with Creep. I know that's a big song for you. If we can go back just a little bit, like the I, I've known for a while that they play It's a Long Way to the Top before the show starts. But I didn't know. I didn't realize like they're just playing music like during, you know, the, the, the stage switch over. But this is like they incorporate long way to the top into the show yeah i think someone mentioned that before but we should actually say like they treat long way to the top now basically like ecstasy of gold right it's loud as hell they yeah. have content on this on the towers right and instead of you know th- this doesn't strike me as a gripe but i heard many people gripe about it before people enjoyed that it was one of those if you know you know things right that when long way was basically being played at the same volume as the house music all the legit guys knew that they were about to start their pre-show music. And that was a special thing for fans. I, I don't have that. I thought it was more fun that they made it a thing because it was just another thing Yeah, to get excited about. Yeah. Because everyone starts going, oh shit, something's happening. Like, right. There's all sorts of tricks you can do live where you just want to let the crowd know that something's about to happen. Yeah. You know, like it, it can be anything. It's like, They'll kill the light. You know, there's all these, even in our small show, there's like, we have this whole thing that I built where right. it's like, we have a pre-show song that's a little louder and then we kill the lights. Then we start our intro and then the LD starts a thing and you're just letting everyone know like, hey man, your hard-earned money was spent well and shit's about to happen. Get ready. Yeah. And that's what Etsy did, but now they've turned, they, they you basically have two songs now. Right. Which I don't, I don't mind at all. I, I like the if you know, you know aspect of it from previous tours, but this was fucking awesome too. That song, I, I, that's one of my favorite songs by them. It's cranked up to eleven. They're showing all kind of shit on the screens of like ticket stubs and the guys with fans from twenty years ago and just you know like a like a, a family photo album, you know. Yeah. And those lyrics too. If you listen to those lyrics, it's like that—that's their lives for the last forty years. Absolutely. Um, and I don't—I don't think I'll ever hear that song the same again. No. I made a playlist of these songs, and I included that. That's—that's that's the first song on the playlist, and I'm listening to it at work, just turned up, and like all I can think about is being in that stadium, hearing it cranked up, and seeing those images, and I was just like. It, it's yeah. such a perfect it's such a perfect song like walk on song out of out of all the shows i've seen since 2017 that was my favorite time of that song mm-hmm. you know like ha- experiencing yeah. it with everyone and yeah it's a song about them they're at the top it, it you know it's, it, it, it was like a war cry and yeah. now it's like a um you know <clears throat> it's interesting i wanted to talk about this and this actually buttress into it so them choosing to turn that moment because here's what they're basically saying well, they might disagree, but here's what I think it means. Them turning that into a moment means like, we we did it. We did that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of M72 is a celebration of, look, look at what we've done, you know? Yeah. And not in the sense that we're, we're done or we're a legacy act now. I think they made a vital album that resonates as much as Hardwire did for me, as much as Death Magnetic did for me. But there is a sense that we're, that they are at the top. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're maintaining it. You know, they're the champs. They're the right. champs, dude. They yeah. did it. Yeah. Uh, so the song is different now. But before it was, 
you know, we're on the long way to the top. Now it's right. like we're here. Yeah. And I feel like what I wish I could have said to James even if I'd have had the time, but, and we'll get into that, our meeting of James, but, you know, it's like, I feel like with M72, I've crossed over into, and I think this started with Hardwired, but I wonder if just because of age and timing and all of that stuff and what they've already done, they're no longer the same band they were for me when they were like putting out even Saint Anger. Like, okay, my favorite band's got a new album out. I hope it's good. It's just different now. Or like, oh, yes, I scored tickets to see my favorite band. Hell yeah. I hope they play the new stuff. It's different. It's like, it's crossed over into this way bigger thing now. That's like a lifelong, maybe that's why you cried when you saw Pantera, because maybe that's what that is for you too. Maybe that's what it is when some of our friends see Iron Maiden or a lot of people at the at the Power Trip Festival felt this way. Right. But I don't even think Tool's at that level for me yet. Like when I see Tool now, I'm like, yeah, cool. They're like one of my favorite bands. I love their new album. Right. I hope they play the new stuff. With Metallica, it just it's different. It's different. Like even a band like Dave Matthews doesn't quite get there for me in terms of the the power, the longevity, what it means to still be making this music at this level. The community feels really different. Like uh, maybe the Pearl Jam community is similar, but the Metallica community feels really different than any other community of fans that I have relationships with. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, we, we you mentioned it in the beginning, and I've been saying this all week. Like it was magical. Like I really, I totally get what you're saying about this feels different in a good way it's it's yeah it feels like uh, me personally like this weekend i kind of leveled up with the band and how i think of them yeah. and the th what they call the metallica family it sounds so cliche but it's like i feel after meeting and hanging out with some of the people we hung out with this weekend um and seeing the band playing these songs and playing at the level they, I mean, they sound great. These the new songs sound great. Yeah, it does. It just does feel like there's some spiritual leveling up. Yeah, because of last weekend. And I think James and Lars, at least, if not all four of them, know that. I think management knows that. I think. Mm. I think a lot of what we're seeing with how they're walking through this album cycle is kind of shoring that up. You know what I mean? Right. I think they're feeling that way. Yeah. Well, that's why when you see these interviews and you hear them talking, they're like, well, we're not done yet, but they're experiencing this level of gratitude. Yeah. And I yeah. think, I think as fans, we're coming into it too, because and it, we've just done so much time together. You know, when I started listening to this band, I was eight years old, right. I'm 40 now and I've got a nine, you know, a nine year old and I've, you know, been, been through it. You know, you, you, you've done it too. A lot of us yeah. have, we've got life. Yeah. We're, we're a long way from where we started. And we've and this band's been with us that whole time. And I mean, it feels like, you know, as I'm getting older, I just feel like I'm I'm just over like the the fan worship thing. And I just see them as like people. They're just regular guys, you know. And this is I yeah. mean, other people may have already felt like that, but I just feel like that's that stuff from when I'm a kid and seeing these guys as just rock star gods, that's like starting to fall away where they're just regular people you know and it's it's just cool to see like what they've accomplished as just normal people i agree so let's go through some highlights of the set list we can't get too bogged down on the set list right mm. the set list is kind of the least interesting thing to talk about because <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, played sorry. these 16 songs really well so yeah so you know uh creep great the energy in the pit it was like this both nights. Energy in the pit's really high for like the first 15 minutes. And then it kind of dips because you just can't maintain that energy for 90 minutes. Right. Um, 
or two hours, whatever their thing is. So Creep and Harvester, Holier, like this was like great for me. The place definitely fucking lit on fire when they started Memory Remains. No doubt about it. Yeah. Lux Eterna was probably the best. It wasn't my favorite, but it was probably the best live song of, out of all of them because it's just fucking tailor-made for a huge venue. Right. Um, and jump in with whatever you think too. Too Far Gone, love seeing it live. Kind of crazy that they're playing it live. Yeah, I was I was surprised that they played uh, two 72 Seasons songs back to back. Yeah, that's, they've been doing that. They've been, well, they, they almost play three of them back to back. Yeah. Because they've been doing the two, then they do one, they either do Sanitarium or Fade to Black, and then they do one of the other 72 Seasons songs. And then that's it. And I, having seen it live, I've got to say, I don't think that's, I mean, you know, who am I to, criticize metallica they, right. these motherfuckers know what they're doing so I, yeah. I i come at it purely from from love but i think the album's good enough to spread out i think three is a good compromise because they're doing the two no repeat week like okay so they're doing six total great yeah um but i think they could spread them out i think that i think they could even open with you know a 72 season song they could yeah, open that, with lux that, that's kind of weird that they out. don't open with lux or 72 seasons yeah but I agree. I'm not going to argue. I fucking love Creeping Death. So for them to open with that was was pretty cool. I think a good idea. But I mean, you know, honestly, I think they're scared to. And I don't mean they're like mm. wimps, wimps or anything. I just mean, dude, when you sell 80,000 tickets, you've got a lot of responsibility to deliver. Yeah. Uh, that's just professionalism. You know, that's them taking their job seriously. And I love them for that so much. Respect them for it. But I think they're scared to. I think they're scared. I think it's risky. But the thing about Creep is, and Whiplash too, the thing is, open up with Lux or 72 Seasons, which I think people would love, mm -hmm. but you got Creep right in your back pocket. Just track two, play a classic. Then you've let everyone know you believe in your new stuff. Right. And and no one needs to be afraid that they're going to play 72 Seasons top to bottom. We got your Creeps. We got your Whiplashes. We got your Holy Than Thou's. We got your Harvester of Sorrows. Um, that would be my advice, and maybe uh, maybe next year they'll they'll change that up because it's it's a weird pocket, and there is a noticeable dip in the vibe of the venue at this moment in both nights, and it might be because it's two new songs and a slow song, and then a new song, but it might also be because everything is so crazy. Like the first four songs, both nights were so fun and wild, and everyone's going nuts. I think everyone just gets tired, dude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone just kind of needs a minute yeah you can't sustain that that mosh pit vibe for 10 songs you just can't i liked how after faded black james said something like you guys like that song and of course it was right. like ah! and he's like yeah you know we do too he's like man that really is a pretty good song <laughs> we were we were laughing in the snake pit at this point my friend lee got in the snake pit and we were having a good time we were kind of laughing about that like yeah james pretty good song dude <laughs> i mean one of the best ever I, I like too that fade to black that they he he stops the song to give yeah. a little a little like heartfelt speech about you know you know, like suicide awareness. And if you're having those kind of issues, like go talk to somebody. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, it, yeah. Letting people are not alone. I mean, when you're talking to that many people, you're, you're impacting somebody, you know, you're, yeah. there's someone there that's, that's needed to hear it at that, right. at that level, that level of platform. So it's cool that he does that. It really is. It's probably yeah. changing lives, you know? Yeah. Shadows follows. Great. Orion, super fun. You know, what's weird about Orion was no one really knew what was going to happen at first. Uh, yeah, even those, though I've seen this set list. The pre-tapes, every time they would do a pre-tape, I didn't know what was coming. You know, the the last few times I've seen them and they would they would do like a pre-tape, I'd be like, oh, this is this is one. 
or this yeah. is you know blackens coming up i didn't know i think they they did uh, they must have done like three or four of these pre-tapes and i was i was surprised at every every time i did not know what the pre-tape was was giving us and if you're not sure what that is, what Brad means by pre-tape is before the song, the stage goes dark, and this is an opportunity for them to get water, do a guitar guitar change. Sometimes they go off, you don't see them. Stage is dark, there's content on the towers. You know, they're pulling your eyes kind of away from the stage. And there's like a pre-built, basically like intro track that <clears throat> is different than the songs. Like it'll have little bits and pieces of the song, but it's, you know, and that happens a lot in Nashville. There's people who produce shows and build out shows. They'll take content and stems from records and they'll make this new little minute long thing that has little echoes of what you're about to hear. They're little preludes. It's pretty cool. Definitely. And it, 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 is, it is weird to see Metallica do it because they didn't do things like that for so long. Right. You know, they were, they were just the stark, what you see is what you get. We don't play to track. And they're not playing to tracks. But... You know, and I know they would play the tape of the prayer and Sandman. I know they did shit like that, or they would play the intro tape, the backwards guitarist to Blacken. This is different. They're not taking something from the record and just and playing that. They they did that for Spit Out the Bone a little bit, but these are like pieces of of content that has been made for these moments. And speaking of that, before the one that they play before the day that never comes, we didn't know what that would be either in the in the audience. We were all right. like, "What is this?" Yeah, that was a treat. I, the treats for me, night one, creep. Memory Remains, Shadows Follow, Day That Never Comes. I think the most fun we had was Fuel in the pit. Seeking the story, they put the balls down. That was super fun. And then they played Puppets. And dude, by the end of Puppets, I was wiped. I don't know how you felt at the <laughs> end, but I was pretty wiped in a good way. Well, up, up where I was sitting, <laughs> again, we were, we were pretty much, we were sitting probably 50 to 60% of the show. Right. Um, if, if, if the people in front of us would stand up, we would stand up. But there was a lot of, of people just sitting back down. Right. But I will say, when Fuel came on, the whole section like jumped to their feet. And I was like, oh, I, I mean, I know you love that song. Oh, yeah. It's not my favorite. But I was, I was surprised to see the whole, like our whole section, like jump, like leap to their feet when Fuel kicked in. I'm like, okay, this song is probably a little more popular than I than I realized. Well, I'll, I got a hot take for you, and I'm going to get fucking flamed for this, but I don't care. because, And I've been saying this for years. I think Next Inner Sandman, the biggest audience-pleasing song is Fuel. I've seen it every show. Uh, people react to the memory remains and Fuel more than even Puppets or Saboteur. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're better songs than Master of Puppets or Saboteur. I don't think almost any song's better than those two songs. Right. But I'm telling you, in terms of like crowd response and cultural zeitgeist. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of MTV or because it's in a lot of wrestling shit. I don't know. But I think next to Inner Sandman, the most popular live song where you see people freak out the most is Fuel. Yeah. Well, and it's just the way it starts and that that great boom. intro. Yeah. Yeah. The intro into the boom with the the flames, you know, and the, the explosion of it. And it's, memory has that too, because he sings those first few lines, and then when you get the crowd to sing the memory, right. but the memory remains, and then it, you hit that first downbeat, people just fucking love it, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to shoehorn my love of that era into <laughs> my commentary. It's yeah. just undeniable when you're in the middle of it. It's like right. whoa, you know. Yeah, for me, the day that never comes. For some reason, that song really like blew me away, I, and I don't oh, know yeah. why. It's not like it's not like my favorite song. I like it. But 
I don't know. I don't know why that that song really snuck up on me. I was like listening to it, like, oh, this is really good, and it just it really connected with me for some reason. So that was that was like a real treat. Uh, Orion, Orion was amazing. I didn't think I'd ever see you know any of the uh instrumental stuff so yeah, for them to, to play that was for me was fucking awesome and i think we've been saying for years you know it's such a great opportunity for a, a vocal break and now they're doing an instrumental per show you know it's just a no-brainer the songs are so beloved they're so cool yeah and it's an obvious moment to pace themselves you know i mean yeah. th- this material is very difficult to play um, people need to not lose sight of that, especially the day that never comes. Very, very ambitious song to play. That's the twelfth yeah. song they played in a row. That song's got one of the gnarliest, you know, outros in their entire catalog. Hey everyone, I want to take a moment to tell you about Patreon and how you can help support Metal Up Your Podcast. Patreon is a simple, interactive way to support the people who make the content you love. Metal Up Your Podcast has always been and always will be free. There's no value that can be assigned to this community of music lovers that we've built from all corners of the world. But there are associated costs with running the podcast, in addition to the large amount of time it takes to curate and edit these episodes for all of you. For $5 a month, the equivalent of a cup of coffee or a beer, you can support Metal Up Your Podcast continuing to grow in both quality and frequency. In addition to helping keep Metal Up Your Podcast up and running, becoming a patron also means eligibility to come on the show as a guest for a future Metal Tales episode. The ability to ask guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale of Hellstorm, and even members of Metallica's inner circle your very own questions. Merch, vinyl giveaways, ticket giveaways to shows like SNM2 and Sling Castle. It's easy to sign up, easy to use, you can set a price that makes sense for your budget, and all of it goes into making Metal Up Your Podcast the best show it can possibly be. The link to Patreon is in the description of the podcast app you're using to listen to this episode. And as usual, thank you all so much for the support. I could not make this podcast without you. Peace. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little. Yellow. Different. All right, so let's move on to Saturday. So, what? oh, wait, what did we do that night? So, we all went home. We just drove straight back to the our shitty hotel. Yeah, because we were going to get something to eat, but everything was closed. So, we got some some Huck's Subway, Huck's Sub Sandwiches. Oh God! <laughs> I think I just bought some like gas station like boneless chicken wings. Yeah, yeah. Went and stood in my hotel room and slowly ate those. Tried to rewatch a Mavs game unsuccessfully, and then looked for the wasp. And because uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I'm going to sleep in here with just a live wasp. And I never found it. Uh, spoiler alert: never found it the whole weekend. Uh, I saw it a few times. But I would just go to sleep thinking, please don't sting me in my sleep or lay eggs in my ear. Or crawl on me or get in my sleep. Because I, I took a sleeping bag to this hotel and I slept in my sleeping bag on top of the covers because the hotel was so gnarly. Um, cocoon. Cocoon style. Exactly. Exactly. Zipped, zipped all the way up. Well, and then it was kind of hot. I mean, I was not sleeping well this weekend. Yeah. Um, so the next morning, we all agreed to go meet at the... We went to the pop-up shop. So let's talk about the pop-up shop mm-hmm. for people who may not oh, know yeah. what that is. So... 
every stop, they have what's called a pop-up shop that's not on site. It's at a different location. And they have unique merch there. You can get the show posters there. They were selling the uh, the the city-specific variant of 72 Seasons. Now, you had gone to the pop-up shop the day before when you got into town. But me and you and Joey met there, and Lee ended up meeting there a little later. Now, the line was crazy. So what time did we end up getting there? Like noon? Or 11? Yeah, I want to say, yeah, 1130, 1145, something like that. The line was completely wrapped around the building, which was mm-hmm. insane, but it moved really fast. It so did. within 35, 40 minutes, we were inside. We all got some fun stuff. They had some really cool jackets. We got the variant, the St. Louis variant. I got a t-shirt. If you're looking for t-shirts, go to that pop-up shop. They had, I was stunned by how many t-shirts they had. Yeah, and they have like other weird like stuff a hun- too. Like a hundred, maybe fifty, fifty to a hundred t-shirts. I mean, there was a, a lot of fucking t-shirts. I would say fifty, and then yeah, several different kinds of like jackets and hoodies, and mm-hmm. they had jerseys, patches. They had some unique looking hats. They had some beanies. Or the beach ball. You could buy a beat one of those beach balls. beach ball. You could buy a skate deck. And the and the vibe was fun. Like it, it's just a if you're gonna do both shows, you got to go to the pop up shop, especially on the day off. Yeah, and there's there's people fun. that work work there running around helping people i know you asked about one of the jackets and she she was real cool ran back you know backstage whatever to find yeah. it and you know they they just had a lot of help it's it's definitely something to check out if you're going to these shows it's a really good vibe and then we went to the book signing so uh, you know i put out an episode <laughs> about the book signing a lot of people have heard me sort of detail it What's your perspective on the book signing? You were in line with us. We waited for right. several hours. I went, you know, we went to a tent and checked in, blah, blah, blah. So let's let's get up to your interaction with James. What were you feeling before it? You know, tell us about your interaction with him, what it meant to you. Walk us through your experience with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to Joey Ersek for hitting me up to see if, if I wanted to be his plus one because I did not, I was not able to get a, my own ticket. So uh, since that day, like a, a week before the show, I was definitely doing the, what do I say? What do I say? You know? And it's just, you know, you go through a million different things you want to say and you don't want to be like too, too intense, you know? Cause I'm sure he hears all that stuff, but you don't want to be Chris Farley where you're like, yeah, uh, remember, <laughs> remember, remember master you, of puppets. Yeah. Remember the, the burning bush. That was awesome. You know? So basically, yeah, we were in line. The line was insane, but you finally get in there and I basically just said, Hey James, I'm Brad. Nice to meet you. He's like, Hey, you know, shook my hand. Um, and I said, you know, we're going to see bastard Dane tonight, which is his son's band. And he kind of looked at me and smiled and was like, Oh, good. And I said, you know, my daughter and I have a big bond through music. So for me, it's cool to see that you and your son, you know, can can kind of have that that sort of relationship where you both are really into music, something like that, dude. I don't remember exactly. Right. It was that that sentiment, you know. And he just kind of like looked at me, had a big smile on his face, and was like, you know, I, I don't remember what he said to be honest. I think he said, but, "No, no, get the fuck out of here." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, it, him or one of the other people, they were really trying to rush people through. It was intense. Um, but no, I mean, overall, it was. An incredible experience to be that close to him to shake his hand he was definitely in a in good spirits in a good mood big smile on his face and didn't seem 
like he was not enjoying it. Because I think we were talking about like when we, were, when we were in line, like we were talking about what is his experience right now with all these people here. And it's it's crazy. And hopefully he's not in a bad mood. You know, you always hear don't meet your heroes because they're probably going to be an asshole. He obviously signed up to be doing this kind of thing. But again, you never know if you when you run into somebody like this that you considered a, a hero, what they're going to be like. And he was completely awesome you know it's just like i said that big smile on his face he wasn't rushing me he was like looking right at me like listening to what i was saying and then responding with a like you know that's great thank you so much kind of a vibe yeah his vibe was great it was yeah it was incredible and And i don't remember i don't remember feeling rushed but it it went by so fast but someone might have been tapping me or something you know i can't remember we were the whole thing about it's hard to explain, but like there was a line that they wanted you to cross and to put your phone away. And I was trying to take pictures of you and Lee before I crossed that line. And there was people on either side of me, sir, sir, put your phone away. You need to, you need to go, you need to get in line. So I'm trying to take pictures of you guys. You know, it was that, that whole thing. And you know, the guy that was, running up and down the line every hour or so saying like you can't talk to him you can't do this you can't do that he's not signing anything yeah you know i just felt like they were overwhelmed the people that worked at this bookstore which is totally understandable there's like a thousand people we were the guinea pig you know we were the first one i've already right. i mean a lot of our friends went back in detroit and did this yesterday and yeah. they, they sold less tickets they 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 just learned a lot you know and so uh we were the guinea pigs. We were pretty far back on the line. And so there was a point, there was definitely a point, this is hours into him already meeting people. And there was a point where someone came back and was basically, you know, shouting the message throughout the line, like, hey, we need to go faster. Right. Uh, and so, you know, the first two hours, I think people just were getting more FaceTime and it was just, they looked at their schedule and were like, shit, we were like way behind schedule. Right. And so by the time they got to us, they were kind of trying to tap us through, which is fine. It's cool. Yeah, I think this was supposed to end at four o'clock. Yeah. And when we when we met him, it was like four forty five. And there was still yeah. hundreds. There was of people probably still another us. there was at least another hour behind us. Right. But I think we heard we heard that he wanted more time with people. Yeah. Which is cool. That's awesome that that he wanted you know, he wanted to have that experience with people well because if you're looking at it from his point of view like if if, if what you know he doesn't need to do it they'll sell the book he can just stay at his hotel and watch diners drive-ins and dives whatever he likes to do to kick back (laughs) i like to imagine that he watches diners drive-ins and dives like i do i just like to imagine that everyone in the world's like me uh it's, it's gone very well for me by the way um he wants to he he doesn't want to have people cattled through this is this is i don't have insider information i'm just i'm guessing so yeah, his takeaway was like, yeah, let's let's make it more meaningful for people. If if I'm going to do it, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the juice. And there's not enough time for juice if we're all like, you know, uh stressed about the time and the schedule and we're over schedule right. and people are getting pushed through. I never saw him have a sense of urgency about it. But obviously the people putting it on and his handlers and shit are like, go, go, go. I mean, that's what it's like. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> what's interesting is we leave that we're starving. We're all freaked out that that happened. And mm-hmm. just like with the actual gig, we want to get to where the Bastardane gig is that night. Cause you had tickets for everybody. We're going to go see Bastardane yeah. at, uh, what was that venue? Del Delmar's Del Mar hall, Delmar hall. 
which was cool because last time I was at Del Mar was when we played there with Morgan, which is pretty, which was wild. It was like a wild thing for me. Yeah. So we decided we're like, well, okay, we know where to, we can park behind the you know the pageant, which is a club right next to Del Mar Hall, and then we can walk to this Mission Tacos place, and then we can eat tacos, and then Joey had found this bar in between those two venues where we had a little metal podcast hang, where you know maybe 20, 30, 35 people came to talk about the podcast or just meet people and have a beer. We go to Mission Tacos and Sasha and Edgar and a group of other people were already there. And two tables down, we're sitting Kirk Hammett and Rob Trujillo. I know Lee didn't see them because Lee immediately went to the restroom. Did you see them there? I also completely missed that. Wow. I think, thinking back, I think, was Rob's brother sitting with them? I don't know. Because I saw like the corner of my eye, a guy that for a fleeting second, I thought, oh, that that guy could be Rob's older haggard brother. And then I just kept walking and thinking, thinking back, I'm like, I bet that was either Rob (laughs) or his brother. And I just, I didn't think twice to like stare at these people. I just, I was also going to, I was following Lee to the bathroom. So I, I completely missed them. But I remember thinking, so while you and Lee were kissing in the bathroom, <laughs> and they they left right when we got there, but not because we were being weird. None of us did shit. I was proud of our little group. We just, yeah, we were just like, wow, this is interesting. And they split, and they were they were they looked like they were having private, you know, they were like incognito. Kirk had yeah. like ponytail hat. He was right. with a lady with like lightning blue hair, which I'm like, you know, I, I love the lightning blue hair. Express yourself, right. baby. Uh, <laughs> hard to be incognito with a rock star. Right. If you got the the crazy lightning blue hair, that's just a that's just a something I noticed because you're sort of drawn. I think I saw the blue haired lady first, and I was yeah. like, "Oh shit, that's Kirk Hammond and Rob Trujillo." Yeah. Um. So you know, not the most exciting story because nothing really happened. We were we right. you know the, the the coolest thing that happened was we respected their space, and it, it was just after like meeting James Hetfield, and then those two knuckleheads are there. Right. It just felt like because St. Louis isn't like a small town. And we were like 10, 15 miles away from the book sign. From the venue, right. And we're not even near the venue. We're near the right. venue where James's son's playing. Otto's not playing. So it's like, oh, are Robert and Kirk going to go see Bastardane? Anyway. Right. So that happened. That's fun as hell. We have some great food, great hang. Then we go to the Metal Beer Podcast hang, which I thought was fun as shit. Man, I'm going to get people's name. I know Amanda Hefner was there. Obviously, our <laughs> crew was there. Who, who, who can you remember who was there? Frank was there. Um there was a guy, I think his name was Jimmy. Jam- Jamila ended up coming. Jamila was there. Yeah, Dylan showed up. Uh, shout out to Dylan, the uh, the responsible student that that stayed at, back at the hotel all day while me and you were hanging out with James Hetfield. Yeah, um, he's in nursing yeah, school, sh- right? So he's just studying. Yeah, yeah. He came to the show, back to studying. He came and drank so much, he immediately forgot everything he learned, <laughs> which is perfect <laughs> exactly. for next time he's giving someone a needle. Yeah, um, um, man, I wish I could remember all these dudes' names, but everyone was cool. Everyone um, was great. It was such a oh, fucking Beardy? great hang. Beardy, Beardy from uh, the Discord. Well, look, if I if I hadn't said your name, don't worry, I remember you, and we had a great time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we all went to the Bastardane show, and on yeah. our and, oh, while we're in in this venue, <laughs> we get told Amanda goes to get tacos, and Amanda's like, oh, by the way, James is sitting over there in the same taco right. place we were just at. at back at the taco and place. we're like, holy shit, this is like the magic fucking vortex for Metallica members. Yeah. Again, no one bugged them. We are walking back to, we're going to the Bastarding show. Our car's parked behind the, the pageant. I dropped off something 
like a t-shirt or something that someone gave me. Oh, Paul DeRoso, who was there, gave me a t-shirt of his chapter called In Fitness for All, which is cool. It's like a health-based chapter, Metallica chapter. We, I drop something off my car. I come back to meet you guys and Jamila and Amanda are like, did you see James? He just walked right by you. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I mean, I just wasn't looking, you yeah. know, like he apparently just walked right by me because he was and going. Me and, me and Dylan and Lee missed that too. We, I know we, we all like, missed what? it. We've been, we've been standing here the whole time. How did we miss this again? So we go into uh, the venue to see the Bastard Ain't show. Immediately metal mics there. We start talking about the burrito that I ate at the metal group <laughs> podcast party. Uh, Lee's there, Amanda's there, just a bunch of our crews there. Now, a, a half of my friends were at the bowling thing where you can bowl with the crew or whatever. But I was glad we we stayed because, first of all, Bastioning was really cool. It was a fun show. And obviously, James was there in this little restricted area. This is a small rock club. James is there headbanging, singing all the words to the show. No one bugged him, that was, but it, but it was, that was weird. Awesome. It was weird. It was weird in a good way to like be there and like be in that room. Um, there was like an uh, overflow porch patio thing that when the show ended, a bunch of us spilled out over there. We're having drinks. We're talking shit. We're having fun. This was like the rowdy's not the right word. This is the most loose the night got, uh, yeah. the, the weekend got for me. It felt like being at camp almost, you know, I don't know how you felt about that, but I, I just, we had such a great Metallica day, even though they didn't play. Right. I remember, I, remember yeah. I kept saying that night. And the best thing is we get to see Metallica tomorrow, you know? Right. Like, yeah. W- we had this amazing Friday night watching the boys. And for me, of course, being the snake bit, this amazing, weird Metallica day that had nothing to do with watching the band. Um, right. And then uh, was that the night that we had some, an epic Waffle House hang too? Yes. Yeah, it was. And honestly, by this point, after that amazing day, when I got in my gym jams and went to bed that night, I said good night to the wasp. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. Like the wasp had just yeah. become part of my life and right. I actually would have felt sad. I would have felt sad if he had split, you know, and it felt like my buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh so that was Saturday. All right, Sunday, we decided to kind of lay low. We wanted to go to vintage vinyl. We get up, we went to a great burger place. What was that place called? The hot dog, hot dog place. What was it called? Steve's Steve's hot dogs. Just Steve's hot dogs. And I guess he's the guy who owns it, Steve, was in the band The Urge. Great hot dog. I overate there. Then we went to Vintage Vinyl. Great record store in St. Louis. Highly recommended. Everyone go there. We met Jamila there. We all bought some records. You got your, uh, what's the Puckett guy? Charlie Puckett? <laughs> Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. You got your Gary Puckett record. Greatest hits. Oh, man. How long? How many times have you spun that since you got home? Five bucks. Oh, man. Just like every day in between 72 seasons. Right. And well, now that you can listen to Matchbox 20 again, now that, that Rob Thomas has been cleared of, of uh, domestic abuse, uh, you know, promotion, you can, <laughs> yeah. you can put that I back can in the playlist that, too. Spin that again. So we bought some records. We pick up Jamila. We go to the same parking lot for night two. Beautiful little life hack. I mean, I love that place. I'll, I'll park there yeah, forever now. Definitely. We get into the venue and I have to go get collect my snake pit. Um, but another thing that happened was we were able to go to the VIP lounge. Now, the VIP lounge is similar to what I stumbled into in 2017 at Bush Stadium. But you and I got to visit it and I've posted pictures of it on the internet. I don't know. if Did you post pictures of that visit? No, I didn't. So it was similar to the one from 2017. There's a buffet. You get the guitar picks that are 
basically like drink tickets. They have a bar, but they have all these little exhibits set up and they have yeah. road cases, you know, stage worn outfits, gear. I thought one well, of the coolest things in that thing, Brad, was they had the M72 backdrop with all the burnt shit from the photograph. Right. Like yeah. the bicycle the actual, and the guitar, like the, the actual, actual pieces. Stuff. Um, that was pretty fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Then they had an area where they have their instruments set up. They had a like a chrome snake bite, Kirk's white zombie guitar, a couple of other guitars I didn't really pay attention to. Uh, which drum kit was it? Was it the purple drum kit? The, from the, yeah, the purple sparkle. From the World Wire Tour. We all got pictures. Right. We got to play jam on some of their shit. Then they had like the puppets exhibit. They had uh, the lightning exhibit. So we were just, we, uh, we spent maybe 20 minutes in there. Yeah. Um, getting pictures, had a couple of drinks. Then we went back down. And <clears throat> when I got my snake pit pass, um, I got a plus one, which I didn't know I was going to get. And so I was able to finally, you know, level the scales because I've been indebted to you for the 2017 snake pit. So you didn't even know you were just waiting with me. And then I was able to get you a snake pit pass. And then boom, suddenly your night's changing. Right. And then boom, we're snake pit buddies. Yeah. Incredible. We walked in and I wanted to get you into the pit so you could get a vibe. And that's when we saw, we caught the last song of Ice Nine Kills, which I've been told I would love it because I like horror movies. They wear like Jason masks and they they pretend to kill people. And surprisingly, I'm not really into shit like that. I'm not really into the, that kind of theatrics. I really just like good songs and I couldn't really tell what their songs were like. Right. They were good I musicians. Think that's, a, that's a band that needs to be in a theater by themselves and yeah. have all their props and stuff behind them. The Metallica 72 season stage is not, it's not conducive to what they're trying to perform right because they pretend to kill somebody and then like yeah paul bears yeah. come out or some shit or like doctors come yeah. out and carry a lady <laughs> off right i mean look it's cool it's theater it's 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 interesting but you know if you're already a big fan then sure but if you're if you've got 20 minutes to to you know win someone over like me i'm mm -hmm. just i'm there for different reasons and it's just complicated yeah. so it didn't really work for me but the dude was a great singer and they seem fine <clears throat> yeah at that point, we skedaddle out of the snake pit to get a beer. I don't know what we were doing. Maybe grab some food. And so we come back in, and I thought this was interesting. We watched Five Finger Death Punch from like in the pit, uh, not the pit, but in on the floor. Yeah, behind, like behind the GA section, like far enough back on the floor behind like even the GA crowd. It was super interesting to watch the show it was a very like people watching moment there's a dude with his like six-year-old kid and he's got him up on his shoulders here comes and that kid will never hear anything ever again <laughs> that kid is deaf yeah. now but you know there's like two like you know 20 year old 20 somethings like super excited for five finger and they come you know kind of not skipping but like kind of running past us and like you know, here's some like rock chicks and, you know, it was just like, okay, this is, this is definitely interesting. Cause I am not into this band at all. Um, but it was cool to watch the crowd and, you know, taking video of the dome. I've never been in a place this huge. I've never seen a concert. This place held, I think they said like 82,000 people yeah. where like a regular arena like Bridgestone is like 20,000. Right. So this was insane how big this place was. So for me, that was just a cool moment to 
to kind of breathe and take a look around and look at look at the whole stage and those towers and the crowd you know and and that that part of it i will say um the triggers on the bass drums i i fucking love that because they were so loud and like my hair and my jacket and my shoes would vibrate every time that dude would hit his kick drums. It was the loudest moment of the whole weekend was their set. <laughs> yes. I, you know, totally. I, I was kind of won over by it. You know, I, I know a lot of people really don't like a lot of people in my world who I think are smart music listeners who, who like good stuff really don't like them. And, uh, yeah, we were with Lee and, uh, Jimmy, which Jimmy's the drummer for Mitchell Tenpenny's band. Him and Lee are obviously super close because Lee's the tour manager for Mitchell Tenpenny. And, uh, you know, we were all evaluating it together, and I think I was kind of the most into it. I, I didn't rush to buy their records or anything. I understand what's off-putting about it, but I thought it was kind of awesome. Dude, it's not easy to come open for Metallica. Definitely. Here's the thing. I like loud, aggressive music, okay? So, and again, again seeing it live, I can, I loved it, but that dude, his, I don't love his voice, and me and Lee were, were kind of joking and laughing because the lyrics of those songs are just so like basic you know tough bro guy type lyrics you know i just thought it was powerful i, I just i thought it was kind of cool yeah. I, I you know it, it rocked hard it was fucking heavy dude and the drummer was amazing for me it's the the, the negative is the dude's voice and his his presentation but the band yeah they were fucking awesome so let's usher ourselves back into the snake pit Sunday night. Here we go. Yes. Metallica's about to come on. And what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, thank you for getting me in there. You're welcome. Happy um, to do it. Walking into the snake pit was like uh like a religious experience cuz like you have to walk under the stage. So as you're entering that that square and the stage is above your head. You can see the people in front of you, but you can't see the whole arena because it's blocked by the stage that's above your head. And as you walk in, the arena opens itself up to your eyeballs. And it's like... You, is this a five-finger like, death punch song? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I walked into that snake pit and I saw God. Um <laughs> But no, I mean, I could see the whole entirety of the dome and all the people and those towers. The Dude, pictures of those towers do not do them justice. They are fucking massive when you're in the stadium. They are pretty impressive um, in person, I will admit. So when you walk into that snake pit and you see these these things and they're straight up above your head, just that was like an intense moment for me walking into that snake pit. Very different than... Uh, six years ago when we saw them at bush stadium different a different vibe than that snake pit right than than last week so yeah that was that was incredible and yeah it was it was insane and it was cool because i thought that it was going to be packed and that we would be like shoulder to shoulder and not really being able to move around and that was not the case there was there was a lot of people i mean it was there was a lot but there was definitely pockets of room where you can move around and a lot of people would would follow kirk or follow james which would open up space for for us to kind of move around yeah which we did 
depending on where Lars was and where James was and where Kirk would run to one side, it was it was definitely something that I, I wish everybody could get to do. Well, okay, so should we talk through the set list at all? Sure. So Whiplash, <clears throat> Whiplash Bells, Ride the, Ride the Lightning, we were so excited that we hugged when they started playing it. Yeah. Because I didn't yeah. think I would ever get to see That's one I've been chasing live. Got to see it. It was amazing. Right. And then in the King Nothing, like <clears throat> the first four songs, both nights were so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the vibe in the pit was great. I, I shared a pretty funny moment with someone during King Nothing, a stranger. Here's what I'll say about Friday night versus Sunday night. The vibe in the pit Sunday was different. It was a little stranger. And there were some people that were kind of fucked up in a weird. There were some people like yeah. gacked out in the pit. There was one guy yeah. just smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. Like inside, no one's saying yeah. anything. He's just smoking a cigarette in the pit. There were, mul- you know, as the night went on, it got more and more gnarly, but multiple, um, what do you call circle pits breaking out in yeah. the snake pit? Yeah. Yeah. Which that I was got, weird. Which I got to say, you know, I didn't love it. And I know that sounds like I'm being a wimp or what, or I've lost the spirit of rock and roll, but watching these guys in their fifties bang into each other. And I'm like, dude, James Hetfield is right there singing the song one, one of the greatest songs, not one of the greatest metal songs or hard rock songs, one of the greatest songs ever. And he's right there singing it facing you and you're banging your head into this other 50 year old. Right. Like we're all older and we've been through it. We're not kids. And what are you doing? You're just squandering yeah. this moment. Now, here's the philosophy I come from, Brad, and you know this about me. Squander everything that you get. I don't give a fuck what you do. Just leave me out of it. But here's the deal. When we're all in this little thing together and you and 20 other knuckleheads are slamming into each other, you're, you are affecting me. You're right. changing the chemistry. You're bumping into me and a lot of people. And I get it. There's people out there going like, this guy sounds like a fucking whatever. But it's just, you know, at, at 40 years old, at 40 years old, dude, that's not what I'm going for. And you can play the song, in, at, you know, in your mom's basement and do that with all your buddies. Right. <laughs> you know, but at the concert where yeah. everyone's like, dude, the, the we got lucky, dude, because we were, we, you know, we had Snake Pit. You know, we were, we were given access to Snake Pit. Some of those people paid 1500 bucks to be in there. Right. Yeah. And and you're what are you doing when you're doing that? You're you're exercising your like you know dormant adolescent rage. Like why? What we're just there's nothing wrong with just like watching a concert now at this point in my opinion. Yeah, this might be the last time I see the boys. You know, and I get, I've dealt with this a lot. Every metal concert I go to, I'm a bigger dude, so these guys I attract them because they think oh big dude. I can I can run into him and he'll he'll mosh with me and I'm like I I don't want to do that yeah but they'll I'll I'll get the look where they'll they'll look right at me and kind of smile and start like coming for me and I'm just like no dude no don't do it don't please don't and there was a girl there was like a hippie like a hippie couple this girl had like sparkly oh, yeah. diamond things on her face and she was real like very like loosely dancing and like big big drugged out smile on her face and running running around the whole pit kind of it was it was there was some weird there were some weird people and that's part of it like maybe they spent the 1500 bucks and that's how they want to enjoy the concert right it just you're just doing something that like really sort of aggressively affects the people around you and that's where it's not cool like for me to stand there 
like, you know, I st- I will stand there with like my hands in my pockets or like across my chest and I'm watching them and you can't even understand what's happening in my brain. The, the amount of emotion <laughs> that uh, is cycling through me as where I'm at now in my life, you know, what it means to me to, to be to be where I am to watch this. Now, on the outside, it might even look like well, this guy's not even enjoying the show because he's not headbanging every last brain cell out of his head. I'm like, dude, I need all my brain cells. I don't have many right. to spare anymore. <laughs> And I just don't respond to shows the way I did when I was 22. Right. But the way I'm enjoying the show isn't affecting anybody, you know? Right. I, I'm, in, I'm in my own little world. I'm not shoving people and, you know what I mean, knocking people's drinks out of their hands. I saw yeah. at one point they were taking those big, like, life water water bottles and bowling with them across the snake pit. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine it's it's ultimately dumb but it's distracting there there was points where i was like moving away from those people just so i could and not, look i'm not like running to security and tattling i'm not calling for them right. to be arrested whatever but I, it wasn't impinging on my time and i was moving away from them you know there was one guy with a giant beer like full and he was moshing <laughs> yeah. and running around and he came by me and you three or four times and i'm like man that, that beer is gonna dump on me or on you and I'm going to be really pissed off. Yeah. And he's got a big smile on his face and his beer is sloshing around. Oh, he's I, having I just, a great time. Yeah. I could not believe that beer did not make it onto somebody. I'm sure it did at some point. <laughs> we just didn't see it. <laughs> we, yeah, it wasn't us. Thank God. Well, finally, when the show ended, I saw this one guy. He's got to be his mid-50s, dripping sweat, exhausted. <laughs> and he spent like the last 20 minutes running in a circle. Right. In the snake pit. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's just playing just in front of you. Hard to understand. Hard to understand. Yeah. You know, I've fully, su- you know, support his right to do it, but I, I'm not going to sit by and not judge it. I have a judgment yeah. about it. I think it was <laughs> <Yes>. dumb. <laughs> I think it was a waste <laughs> of that time. <laughs> think about all the people that would, that would, you know, want that opportunity so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you meet these people at shows. It's fine. You go to hard music shows. You, there's people that go for different, everyone has a different reason for everything. Everyone right. has a why. Yeah. And some people's why is, they want to get out some aggression and that's what they did when they were kids and they might in some ways still yeah, be kids and, and their nostalgia heads and that's what they know and everyone not doing it's lame or whatever but you know yeah. it, i found myself having to rise above those antics to enjoy the last six seven songs of the show yeah um highlights for me that night definitely you must burn you must burn was amazing no leaf yeah. clover blackened was a great surprise yeah blackened i think was uh pre-tape you and I were looking at each other, and we thought it was going to be Unforgiven. Right. And I was like, maybe Unforgiven too? And you were like, maybe. And then we heard, then it clicked that it was blackened. And I just remember our our, our faces both lit up. If I said maybe to Unforgiven too, I was just being nice. Because there's no way in hell I thought they were going to play Unforgiven too. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I didn't either. I was just, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Unforgiven 3. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Unforgiven Four. They had as much chance of playing Unforgiven Four as they did of Unforgiven Two, and Unforgiven yeah. Four doesn't even exist yet. Yeah, no leaf, no leaf clover was fucking awesome. So here's the deal, though. Here's something, and here's an example of what you can see from the pit that I don't know if you can see outside of it. Kirk had a technical snafu during the one of the solos of One, and it pissed James off. Yeah. He looked over and said, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, oh boy, yeah. dad, daddy's mad. Daddy yeah. mad. I've gone back and looked at it because I was watching James, so I didn't see what happened with Kirk. 
he made a guitar change because it wasn't on. And then when he came in, it was very loud and he very much played like some of the wrong stuff, which I totally get as a guitar player. It wasn't him. It wasn't him like messing up while he had all of his shit working. He was dealing with some technical difficulties. Those are hard to overcome, especially in front of 80,000 people. But it definitely kind of altered James's mood, I believe. He after after one, he went up to the mic and it looked like he was gonna say something because he's about to play the last song, which is Inner Sandman. And then he just decided not to say anything and he started playing the intro. And I thought, man, mm-hmm. he 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 seems like he wants to get out of here. Yeah. So that you know, that's the only thing I noticed. The only really hiccup I noticed. But again, I don't know what your experience was like in the snake pit, but for me, it's just not about the clarity of the sound. You're, it's just no, so much is happening around you, and the boys are, they do a really great job of like every four songs, they kind of move, and right. they, they kind of, it's like they've kind of figured out a sort of choreography to the, to the thing. Yeah. It's definitely a good mix of playing to us in the snake pit and playing to the crowd. Yeah. And something that I, I I thought was interesting is Lars's set drum set like rotates. Yeah. He switches them, but right. they, they like spin. So at one yeah, so they so it, it switches four times for the sixteen songs. And so once every four songs. And then while he's playing those four songs, it pivots a little bit. So right. for one of those songs, he's facing into the pit. For another song, he's facing onto the rail. Uh, outside of the donut right and Lars was fucking fantastic dude Lars was fantastic dude I said this since night one he sounded incredible he sounded great played great great energy with the crowd and Robert and Kirk were great too I mean they did they did their job yeah um during I guess the black album song so during Rome maybe was it Rome he was supposed to float through the snake pit on mm-hmm. that like floating disc thing. He didn't do it because I guess it, it malfunctioned or he forgot or something. But on night two, he did it during Sabbath True. So that was fun. That was yeah. interesting. You know, the, Rob and Kirk are always to me like great showmen. You know, they they smile. They come rock out with you. You know, a lot of people are looking at James and Lars. But, you know, Lars does a pretty good job uh, as the only guy that's like stuck into a seat. He does a pretty good job getting up and getting involved, making eye contact, making oh, yeah. faces. He had a moment yeah. where his ears went out and James made some comment. This might've been night one, but James made some comment about his thong falling down. Right. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. Was that night one or night I two? Do. That was night two. I remember that. Cause I remember, I, I see it from the snake pit <laughs> yeah. in my head. It was hilarious. <laughs> so they play Sandman. It was great. The, my, you know, forever, my memory of the last three, four songs of Night 2 are going to be this kind of being on the edge of that fucking circle pit, but they burn it down. I was pretty tired, but in a good way, healthily exhausted. Yeah. How were you feeling when it was burning down? Yeah, uh, I think I was more up than you were. Yeah. I, was, I, re- I remember after the show thinking like, I'm ready to go party. But partying to me is like, let's go sit at IHOP. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I had to drive drinking for three hours. I had to drive the four and a half hours straight into a session the next day. Yeah, and I was starting to feel I was starting to feel a little sick too. Yeah, that's when I started feeling it. And then I knew I was going to have to go figure out this wasp one more night with the wasp. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool. We all met up after you know outside. I think me, you, Joey, Dylan, Sasha, Edgar, and Jamila met up right outside the venue. It was kind of we kind of had a little coda. We kind of put it all to bed. Yeah. Beardy, Beardy and his crew showed up for a few minutes. Yep, that's right. It was fun, man. Um, it was one of the greatest like weekends of my life, honestly. I don't even know yeah. if we really captured it all 
in an hour and a half discussion, but it was really amazing. I'm glad I got to share it with you. Shout out to all the people we got to hang with. I'm sorry if I left anyone out. It was kind of a you know wonderful weekend of catching up with friends, seeing our favorite band. Yeah, it really was. It was cool. It was cool meeting like Jamila, like people that I've talked to on Discord. I'm not on there that much, but it was cool to run into people and like meeting like new 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 people like Lee. I never met Lee before, but he was awesome. Bunch of people at the uh, was it the Tap House International Tap House, yeah. whatever that yeah the podcast meetup was. That was that was fun hanging out. Uh, was it was her name Amanda when we were out on yeah. the patio? Mm-hmm. Her and kind of her crew and just everyone that was that was hanging out. It was it was awesome. It was it was magical. It was really really cool. Just a great weekend. Well, I know a bunch of our friends are dreaming it all up again right now as we speak yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. So we'll hear the metal tales from them. Fun stuff in the works too. I got a really interesting episode based around the book, the Messengers book. I'm sure you've heard the plus ones. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this. The plus ones in Detroit did not get to meet James. Yeah, I did hear. Man, it's crazy. So that for me, that's like, oh my god! Like even more special that I was able to do that to still to still be able to to meet him. Well, Joey Ursic, you know, he gave you the plus one to uh, yeah. the Hetfield thing. He gave Johnny a snake pit pass. He really, yeah. you know created a lot of great memories for you guys too so shout out to him and all of our metal podcast friends it was such a fucking awesome thing to do together and i don't know when i'll be able to do it again i i walked away from that weekend really charged up really grateful you know i listened to 72 seasons in my car on the way home that's that's how charged up i was yeah so unless you have any further thoughts you have anything else you want to say I think we covered it all. Well, you can find Brad wherever you find uh, people on social media. <laughs> Brad Blazik. He's also on the Discord. If you want to get involved with the Discord, Discord's out. You know, we stay in touch in between all these shows. There's a link to it. Uh, however you're listening to this podcast, there's a link in the show notes. We appreciate you listening. Stay tuned next week for more Metallica-themed episodes. We love you guys. We're going to set you free. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Peace. Later. Just kidding. Love you guys. <laughs> if you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>